I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back today with Walt Disney's 1977 Pete's Dragon. I am shocked that this came out in 1977. And maybe it's because Star Wars came out the same year. And it's year. the same year as Robin Hood. Robin Hood is 73. Winnie the Pooh is 77. Oh, I just listened to the Robin, Robin Hood episode. and Winnie the Pooh back yes. to back, so I'm switching but my it's, years. But it's so the same, same year. year as Winnie the Pooh. Yes, so we know the top three movies of the year are Star Wars, Smokey and the Bandit, and Close Encounters. But it's crazy to me that this movie feels so old compared to them. I have a confession to make. Yes. I've never seen this movie. Oh, really? No, and I've been embarrassed to say so on the Facebook page. Really? Why? I don't know. I feel like it's one that I should have seen, and it seems like it's so many people's favorite movie. I, or uh, hold on. people Maybe not favorite movie, but people have a strong connection to the movie. I think it's similar to some of the other stuff, like with me with Three Caballeros and things like that, where this was probably on Disney, uh, Disney Channel a lot. Mm-hmm. And... I think I think it was on a lot, and I think it annoyed my mother. And she because there were times when she's like, "Turn that off," and not because it's inappropriate or anything. She just didn't like it. She doesn't seem to like Mickey Rooney. I don't exactly know why, but Mickey Rooney's in it. Well, I knew I I read that, and I'm actually curious. I might even look at it from a therapist's lens because when I found out it's about it's about abusive parents, right? Did I read that right? Or a parent with alcoholism? Uh, so I don't think it's. Hmm, that's going to be interesting to look at it through a, a lens because I think it's got some of that stuff, but it's played for laughs, I think. Mickey Rooney's an alcoholic. Oh, he's a town okay. drunk. Well, I don't love that it's played for laughs, but... Um, I, I think he's the town drunk. I was I don't just think it's... wondering if maybe that could potentially be triggering for people. So again, maybe. I'm coming at it from a lens of I've never seen the movie and what I read about it. Pete is also like, he has a foster family that just beats him. <laughs> like, it's all... okay. We're already setting this up to be way more darker than it is, and I don't think it's that dark. I think it's, and that's probably part of the reason I think it's an older movie because I think it has that old timey sensibility. It's it's supposed to be the sixties where these inappropriate times. It's not supposed to be the sixties. I thought it was in the sixties. No, it's early nineteen hundreds. Yes, but I, I'm place. saying I thought it was made in the nineteen sixties when it, more of this stuff was appropriate. So now thinking of like we've got. The 70s, we're starting to do darker examinations in film, so I think it's weird to have this like throwback to old Disney fun and games. Yeah, well, what I read is it says alcoholism is a key theme, and it says that the actors in the movie, Helen Reddy, Mickey Rooney, and songwriter Al Kasha, all had alcoholic fathers, so I thought that was an interesting like tie-in. Huh, I don't know. We'll see. So that's why, and again, I know nothing about this movie, just what I read, so that's where my, my thoughts went. So I could be completely off base, and after we watch it, I'll be sure to address that. Do you want to hit up the synopsis real quick? Sure. Uh, the synopsis is an orphan boy and his magical dragon come to town with his abusive adoptive parents in pursuit. So that's what I mean. I read that his parents were abusive. So. This is a, a goofy, but they're 
they're comic. They're the comic bad guys. They're the Gogans, and I love the Gogans. Because but do we... I'm going to save my opinions because I haven't seen it. I don't know that I love that like abusive parents being funny is a, is a great thing. I, I think they're played for laughs, and I don't think it's... I just don't know if that theme should be played for laughs, but I've not seen the movie, so I think yes. I'm giving an opinion off of what I'm reading and not what I've watched. It's I'm also coming at it from, no, you're right. That's that's a uh, very dark thing that they probably shouldn't do. It's funny that I just never thought of because it was like, they don't like show him beating him. And they're like, you'll see in the first song. The first song is them looking for him. Okay. And it's one of my favorite songs. But now going back, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> okay. So uh, listeners, I apologize. If this is a movie you enjoy and I've totally turned you off to it, I apologize. It's just I've read these things. That seemed like, not red flags, but Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And since I've never seen it and I know nothing about the movie except that I'm assuming Elliot is imaginary. Yeah. Well, no. No. I don't think Elliot is imaginary. There might be one of those things where it's kind of like, like, like it's like a Harvey. I don't think it's like Harvey. No, he's not. Because it's, it's, he can turn invisible. But everyone thinks he's imaginary. The only person who can see him other than Pete at first is... Uh, Mickey Rooney and no one believes him because he's a town drunk. Okay, okay. So I think, and, and yeah, it's so it's been a long time since I've seen this. Like, I, I watched a lot of it in clips the other day because one of the reasons I wanted to put this on the list is because of its, I, I wanted more examples of Disney doing live action and um, live action and animation. You know, we've seen Three mm-hmm. Caballeros. Uh, we've seen Mary Poppins at this point. I think this is another step. And... I think there's another connecting step between this and when we get to kind of the the, the, the pinnacle of live action uh, animation is Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Well, and recently wasn't it Helen Reddy who just passed away? So yes, I Helen know a Reddy lot. I know passed. Pete's Dragon has been not in the news, but I, a lot of our friends have gone back and watched it in honor of her and and things like that. Helen Reddy, a musician who whose previous only credit before this was. Uh, airport night airport 75 she's the singing nun yes mm-hmm. and she actually this is one of the few soundtracks that came out on capitol records as opposed to disney's, disney's own soundtrack oh, because okay. capitol records had a contract with Helen oh Reddy. with her interesting um, i want to talk a little bit about their method because i learned a lot about this the method of how they do uh animation and live action um and this is how they did it on Ray Poppins is how they've kind of done it. In Three Caballeros, they used a system called rear projection where they projected the animation on the screen and just acted in front of it, put the camera there. And then I think eventually they drew Donald on top of that to interact with someone. Mm -hmm. In this, they used something called, I believe, the sodium vapor process or the sodium screen process. Sodium vapor process sounds like something the Sanderson sisters would whip up. (laughs) It sounds sounds like, yeah, like, or, or, or... the dream finder who's the guy in the figment thing he's like I oh yes a sodium vapor process uh-huh. figment. Yeah, yeah yeah what it is is it's using a very special light on a screen it's a bright yellow light and you remember when we saw mary poppins and mary poppins was and they were in front of that black screen mm-hmm. that's not what it looked like it was a bright yellow light and the camera automatically removes that color it's a very specific so the bright color. yellow light is behind them as they're acting yes and the Ooh, light they is, get headaches it, yes we'll get to that in a sec so they take so what they do is they print it on film and the film will do it and it'll create a negative and the negative they'll do it to it they'll take it so that the negative is everything that's not 
the color is white or black and they'll put that and the animators will animate over that and they'll do the same thing back and forth but it's weird watching all that stuff i just assumed they did it in a black box theater no there was a bright yellow light going Ooh. and that's what they did in mary poppins that's what they did in must this. have been very warm too I think that's probably one of the reasons why they don't do it so much anymore. Yeah. I, think, I mean, green screen, I think just digitally, you just click something that's all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were using green screen at this time. Walt didn't like it because it meant he couldn't use certain colors. Oh, so he couldn't use doing. green. Yeah, well, different shades of green. I don't think it was as refined yeah. as it is now. Um, but going back to what you're saying about how crazy a process it sounds like, the last scene of this movie, spoiler alerts, is when Pete's saying goodbye to Elliot. It's like, because that's the point of this thing, is he's going through a lot and Elliot helps him evolve and then he moves on, finds a new family. Spoiler alert, I just ruined the movie for you. That's okay. Um, But uh, there's a part where he's saying goodbye to Pete and he's like crying. And this is a kid who had no other acting experience. He just, and did do a we huge know how old he call. was when he? No idea. Like okay. under 12, maybe. And he's doing it. And he said what the director did. Is he put his hand in front of the light and he said, "This is this is Elliot. Look at look at him for, and start talking to him and doing this and look at that." But it's in front of the light, so he starts crying and he's like, cause partly because he's looking at the light and partly because he's acting. Yeah. And he said the the director came up and goes, "You did so well. You did so great." He goes, "I can't believe you acted so well and you couldn't even see Elliot." He goes, "I can't see you right now." Like he's like, "I can't see yeah. anything." Uh-huh. Like there's a whole documentary I put up about this process that's narrated by the kid who played. Oh, that's Elliot. cool. Um, I I learned a lot about the sodium vapor process. It, it took a while for me to understand. I don't know if I explained it very well, but, but like I said, I'll put that up. Um, well, I wanted to kind of circle back to some of the things we cover typically in the beginning. We mm-hmm. kind of dived in because I was curious about yes. the plot since I didn't know it. Uh, it received a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not very well received in general. Oh, okay. I, I guess then maybe I just have friends who enjoy I think, the film. I think people who grew up and saw it on DTV, like, I think there's a little more nostalgia, but, like, it cost $10 million to make it and it made 18 or something. Okay. So, it, 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 and that, it came out the same year as Star Wars and all the other stuff. So, yes. like, yeah. yeah. Well, and I have some things about that, too. So, it was nominated for two Oscars. It was nominated for Best Music original song which was candle on the water Mm -hmm. and the winner was you light up my life which was also the name of the movie Mm -hmm. name of the song name of the movie but the rescuers was also nominated so the rescuers did the rescuers also come out in 1977 because the rescuers was nominated in 1978 for someone's waiting for you is the song i guess we'll find out next week i know yeah (laughs) i just didn't realize that winnie the pooh was that year rescuers was that year and this was that year it's kind of a lot um you know now we're used to disney coming out with a lot of things in the same year but i feel like that's more uncommon at this Mm -hmm. time so i did find that interesting it also was nominated for best music original song score and its adaptation or best adaptation score that was like the title of the category and the winner was a little night music which again i believe is the name of the song and the name of the movie Mm, uh it was also based on an unpublished short story called pete's dragon in the usa in parentheses forever after and it was by seaton miller and ss field so i just found that interesting that it was based off of something um somewhat and supposedly the project initially was conceived in 1957 so walt was a part of that he was still alive then and it was supposed to be a two-part episode of disney's television series disneyland's television series 
And it was shelved until 1975, which is when they started working on it again for it to come out in 77. It was shot in 76, and although we it looks maybe like it was filmed in the actual places it was supposed to be, none of that. That's all, almost all on Disney backlot. They built the whole town, and I can't remember the name of the town. I know that that's a joke. It's like how terrible name. Like Yeah, it's a really long like name. Pascal I read it, but I wouldn't know how to say it. Super, yeah. That's the joke, because they're all like, oh, this town like, sounds yeah. awful. Well, and I also read that it's supposed to take place over a period of less than six days. Something like that. So I found that kind of interesting. And um, originally, Elliot, I don't know if you came across this, Elliot the dragon was not to be seen at all in the film, and he was supposed to remain invisible throughout, Mm -hmm. which is why I think I thought he was maybe imaginary from reading that fact. Uh, But then they changed their mind on that. There's stuff that happens even when he's not animated that would mean he's uh, he's real if i recall correctly got it he was animated by i know we talked a little bit about him i think uh on yeah on winnie the pooh he's animated by don bluth mm-hmm. who went on to do all dogs go to heaven in those movies um i had here that so they clocked up a bunch of overtime one of the reasons oh that, i have a similar yeah, fact one of the reasons that don that there is so much uh peach uh elliot is because don bluth pushed for it and in fact, at one point, the director wanted him to be the co-directing lead. It would be mm. by, I forgot the director's name, and Don Bluth, but the Disney studio went, we don't do that, and said no. This is also the first animated feature that didn't have any of the original nine old men on it. Mm. Anything that was animated that didn't have one yeah. on it. And they, like you, you were about to say, they clocked a lot of overtime on this. And I read that this led to him leaving and starting his own studio, but he's also billed on the Fox and the Hound, which doesn't come out till 81. So we'll have to wait a little while and see how accurate that is. And what I read about the overtime is the animators, it wasn't just Don Bluth. It was Don Bluth, Gary Goldman, and John Pomeroy. They worked hundred hour weeks. Yeah. And uh, it was all during production. And so they applied for overtime pay and their superiors, whoever they did not name who they were <laughs> in this fact, suggested that they get one hour off for each hour of overtime. So all three were owed six continuous weeks of time off for all of their overtime. And though that six weeks that they took off after this project, they worked on a private project called Banjo the Woodpile Cat. Oh. So the three of them worked on that as a private project. So I just found it funny that... They were given the time instead of the pay, and then they used that time to work on something else yeah. uh, that was separate from a Disney interesting. Uh, production. So yeah. I found that interesting. Uh, I also read, and you mentioned this about Capitol Records, it, it being recorded through that, but it also was the first film to be recorded in the new Dolby Serio system. It was oh. new at the time. Obviously not new now. Capitol Records did record it. They just released it. Released it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing I had here, too, was that the studio needed special permission from the Coast Guard to use the lighthouse scene in the film. But I don't huh. know what that fact means, because <laughs> then I read another fact that says they had plans to move the lighthouse that was specifically made for the film. There- so I guess did they build the lighthouse in the water somewhere and that's why they needed permission from the Coast Guard? Or in general, if you're using a lighthouse, you need permission from the Coast Guard. The fact know. was confusing. But this next fact about, like, moving the lighthouse, 
after it was the film was done, they were going to try to move it to Disneyland. But supposedly the building was too deteriorated and it was beyond repair. I heard that as well. But I was confused about like needing the special permission because I'm unsure if it was all filmed on a studio back lot, I don't know why they would need the permission unless they didn't film the lighthouse scenes on a studio back lot. Maybe they, well, they, they might have filmed part of it. I don't know. I know the whole town was built on that, but yeah. maybe there was something different with the lighthouse. Sometimes our facts are vague. So, listeners, <laughs> if you know any more details on that, uh, feel free to hit if us If you're up. a member of our Coast Guard, we salute you and we'd love to hear the answer to this fact. <laughs> yes, and uh, I will always remember the Coast Guard. Semper Paratus is their theme song. Do you have any other facts? I, I have a few things, but, you know, I'd like to leave them for the second part. Yeah, so the only other thing there. that I have, which we kind of already talked about, is that the box office performance suffered because it was released when Star Wars was released. And I would well, imagine that... It, it was released in November, but Star Wars was such an unmitigated hit that it was released in May. Yeah, and, and it, it was, was continuing. People were still watching Well, and it. that's what I'm saying. I feel like this was not the only movie to suffer under Star yeah. Wars because it was such a shocking and surprising hit if you've seen rise of skywalker we're all suffering under star wars at the moment (laughs) uh but yeah i mean i don't really have anything else to say i don't know if you have any other memories or nostalgia connected to this like i said my i remember my mom being like turn it off which i mean i guess as as a kid probably made it more enticing to me there's also the other thing is there are so many different versions of this because they released it at one length and then it the european cuts like 130 minutes then it gets cut down to 120 then they put it on television for like 70 well, something and, and take out huge pieces I think like when they came i don't know out which with one a, we're gonna see when they came out with a blu-ray copy i think the the time was wrong i think it advertised on the movie jacket that it was like 80 some minutes and it's like 120 or something like that so yeah so there i guess there are a lot of different versions and then my other question is is there a live version of this as well yes there is a new one out with uh i don't know the kid's name but it's bryce dallas howard who was the uh the woman in the newer jurassic parks Mm. who Everyone was like, why are you running in your heels? Yeah. Um, so will that be added Robert to Robert our... Redford, yeah. Oh, Robert Redford. It awesome. looks very different. It's like they find... It, I think it's short, too. They find like a feral long. child out in the like redwoods, and they're like, who's been taking care of you? And he's like, my dragon, and then oh, it's something okay. like that. I don't know. So it's it looks very different than this one, which, again, I appreciate when things are very different. Um, a different take on Yeah. A Someone story. posted... we, we t- uh, Yesterday we did... Dumbo and someone was like well I liked it because it was different than the movie and I'm like boy was it but <laughs> yeah yeah this one's definitely at the this will be added to our mini tell list but. uh so yeah so listeners I hope I didn't offend you in the beginning I am really looking forward to seeing it since I've never seen it I just I think those two kind of statements both well, in the synopsis and the mentioning of alcoholism I think just got my brain thinking in a different way. Well, and I hope you don't pull back on your criticism later because I think that's important. The same thing with with Peter Pan. Like yeah. people appreciated our take on Peter Pan, so I think we would love to hear if you have an unbiased take on on th- this movie, we'd love to hear it. Maybe try and enjoy the movie but keep that in your you know i don't because this is a two-hour movie yeah i I want you to not and and the first get go is the abusive parents have a musical number so (laughs) (laughs) there's a chance you might be like yeah exactly (laughs) so um maybe kind of let that go but keep we want to hear we i'm going to speak for our our audience we want to hear if you have something to say about it that's what makes it interesting no one wants to hear a disney podcast where you just go disney rules listen there if if you want to be told how great Disney is, 
there's a million different Twitter sites that Disney owns that they would love to tell you how great they are. So don't worry about it. All right. Well, listeners, we will see you on the other side of two hours. Listeners, we are back, and I know so many of you Pete's Dragon fans have been waiting this whole time to hear what our thoughts were, and we thought it was great. It was a perfect movie. Thank you so much for listening. Next week is The Rescuers. Bye, guys! <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diet. Okay, now that they're out of there, straight up, this movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, so it was not as dark as my reading led me to believe. So only I'm happy about that. Only because it was unwatchably silly. But it was so long for no reason. Every and scene... And I just want to... Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. Every scene was about two times as long as it needed to have been. I think there was a decent hour and ten minute movie here. And i just like to avi- advise people when they're writing any story... That not every character needs multiple songs. <laughs> and if they have multiple songs, like, maybe just trim them down a little I bit. I do want to talk a little bit about that, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about it in song. Not every character. It was just every time anything happened, a character would break into a song about it. And look, I love musicals. I'm usually here for it. I'm all about it. But there was just something about this one that it was just really hard for me to stay connected I- into the movie. I never look at my phone when we're watching these movies. I had a really hard time. I was, like, half asleep. I had to go downstairs and get some chocolate. Like, I, like really felt like I had to push through this and I I full disclosure we started not exaggerating full disclosure we started fast forwarding through stuff through some of the songs songs, whenever it's because all the songs were I've talked about a lot about this in musicals where I like a song that progresses a story and that was something Walt Disney used to say all the time he told the Sherman brothers it all the time I want I don't want a song where everyone stops and sings about what's going on and then it continues after the song's over and this did a lot of that I, I got to be honest, Tara, if, we used, if you want to tear through the story, like I do not, I made fun of you a couple episodes for like, if I, I think the aristocrat, aristocats where I said, if I don't like a story, I got to sit through it again. Let's, let's I mean, go. Let's just go into it and go with it. <laughs> now, I, I, I do out- want to, I, there are things I like. Elliot is wonderful. Anytime Elliot's in a scene and he's animated, I love him. I love his facial expressions. He is he brings so much joy to this movie, so I don't want you to think like I hate it every single minute of it. I just think there's a good movie in there that just really needed to be edited down. I also like some of the scenes where Elliot's in it, but he's not yes. on screen like the and ones so where he I bursts talk, in school. Yeah, house, I want to like, talk about that. Yeah, so we'll just stuff. go into it. So the opening credits, it looks like an oil painting, and that's very pretty. And we see the lighthouse and all the scenery, and it cuts to the woods, and it's at night. And By the way, the that shot of the lighthouse... Also about twice as long as it needed to be. <laughs> What's the name of the, the family looking for him? The Gogans. The Gogans. So the Gogans um, have purchased Pete. And essentially we find out that like they want him to work the farm, I guess. Well, he has Basically. been working the farm for a year. And this is like the, the second or third time he's escaped. Oh, okay. So, but they, that's why they purchased him is what I'm saying. Yes. They purchased him to work the farm. And and they're... And not like to have him as a son. So that like really got into my knowledge. I assumed that 
his parents were the drunk ones, so I didn't know the story that the Goguns, he was an orphan, they acquired him, and then the drunk individual is Nora's father. So There's no ramifications for his drinking in this, so uh, like they're, they're not dealing with alcoholism. That's why you said he's like, did they deal with alcoholism? No, they have a character who is a drunk, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I want to real quick, this, this was my favorite song. I'll say it right now. I like happiest home in the Hills. It's, it's not great, but I like the whole deal where they're like the mom and dad are trying to entice him. And then the boys are like, we're going to beat him up. Like, yeah. I didn't care for any of the language with the boys. <laughs> Drag him, drown him, tie him to a railroad track. Palm, saw him, claw him in half. Those were actual song lyrics. So saw for, him in half. Yeah. When he calls out for mercy, gonna words gonna laugh like I yeah I roast think, him gently so flames won't hurt. Do you think that if this was an animated feature, it might have like come off less serious because these are like real people? Maybe doing this? I just didn't care for them, and I, you're not supposed to care for them. I didn't care for the song. Um, they're just really intense. Like from like you've got to remember this is like the first moments of the movie. So yeah. all we really see before this song is you see Pete and he's on the invisible dragon. So mm-hmm. you see him like riding Elliot and he's barefoot and disheveled and dirty. And then they go into this song. Really so, important point. When the Gogans appear, they, they all jump out from behind. Yeah. Him because every time they apparently appear in a scene, that's they're contractually obligated. Well, and I think the dad of the Gogans, his cane was shaped like a femur bone. So that was interesting. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Pete winds up swinging his tail and he's still invisible and he knocks them all into the mud. That's kind of when we find out they've paid for Pete and we find out that part of the story. And then this is where we first see Elliot talking in his weird language. I love his weird language. I love everything they did with Elliot. I really do. Like, so I don't want listeners, if we haven't driven away all the listeners who love this movie yet... Uh, I do want you to know that I did love Elliot. He's the most redeeming quality about this movie. Uh, So they go to sleep, and when they wake up, Elliot's eating apples. And I liked this scene, too. So it feels like it was two days ago, but I loved this scene. (laughs) Uh, It feels like it was so long ago. But Elliot was eating apples, and Pete's sitting on his belly, and he's throwing apples in Elliot's mouth. And Elliot puts an apple on fire, so he eats a hot apple. So I really like that whole scene. I thought that was really sweet. Has anybody out there had a hot apple? Is that a thing? I'm not sure. I've had it like hot apple cider, apple pie, that kind of stuff. But but I'm wondering if maybe people roasted apples or toasted apples. I don't know. So he's singing with Elliot, and I wrote here I love Elliot's language. I love him dancing in this song. I did not write down what every song was, but... This song between Pete and Elliot, I did really like. And the other thing I noticed here that I liked is Elliot's reflection in the water looked really good. So it looks like real water, and then they've animated his reflection in. Um, And I thought that was really cool how they did that. So then um, there's this whole bit where uh, Pete is telling him he needs to be invisible. We're about to go into... Passagotti? Passa... I've already forgotten. Passamaquoddy. Passamaquoddy. We're about to go into the town, and he's like, now you need to be invisible. And I love the whole bit when Elliot's different body parts are invisible, and he's like, can I go with just my head? Can I go with just my belly? Can my tail be showing? So that's a whole thing. And the reason is he doesn't want Elliot to scare the townspeople. So he feels if he's invisible, 
he won't scare the townspeople. I think that's weird because he's like, you can't be seen by anybody. And then he sits there and ins- he spends so much of the movie insisting to everyone that he's real. Yeah, I think he feels that people are going to be scared if they see him and startled. And But Elliot gets into mischief. And it's more of just him having fun. I don't know that he's trying to be mischievous. He's just having having fun in his own way. So it winds up causing a bigger problem. I think it makes him seem dumb because he's never, he like, he doesn't want to hurt Pete or get Pete in trouble. But at the same time, he's always like doing really dumb stuff to get him into trouble. And then being like, Oh, whoops. I, I, I don't like, again, it's how they're writing El- like Elliot. I, I think he's kind of like happy go lucky and isn't really like paying attention to his consequences. Cause he's a dragon, I but guess. that I don't know. Uh, but then when they walk into the town, all the animals start going crazy. So a cat starts hissing and the horse goes nuts because they're aware that Elliot's there and he has Elliot walk next to him and the sidewalk next to him is wet cement. And I like that you see his big footprints, Elliot's footprints. And we see this a couple times where when he's invisible, you can still understand how big he is. And so that's kind of a way that they did that. And I thought that was cool. And then he runs into a mean teacher who we see again later, uh, and she says something about the unexpected never happens, or the townspeople are saying the unexpected never happens. I no, don't know. It's, it's the the mayor. That's right. The mayor is talking is, with a group of people, yeah, saying like how this town is very all, regular. All the mayor does is come out of those steps and like talk to a group of people, and something happens. And so in this case, there's somebody with a stack of eggs, and he keeps trying to avoid. He doesn't know it's Elliot, but he's trying to avoid, like, falling. And he winds up smashing all the eggs into the mayor's face. And they blame everything on Pete. So they don't, you know, they don't understand. He's talking about this dragon. And now this boy is coming to town. And, like, all these weird things are happening. The and mayor so they of, scold Elliot. The mayor, of course, played or, excuse by... me. They scold Pete. Uh, the mayor, of course, played, for all you Gilligan's Island fans out there, by Jim Backus, who was the millionaire. Hmm. On the, the other thing I want to point out is to talk about this is when he's... Breaking all the fence posts, I thought about that scene from Jaws, and I thought about the mayor. And then I realized Jaws came out two years before this movie. And this movie looks so old in 1977. Like It looks like it came out in 1968. Yeah. Like, it looks like it came out ten years before. And I I just, I, I can't imagine a world where we've seen Jaws and a world where Star Wars came out the same year, like, I, I still am shocked this came out in 77. Yeah. So then... Pete scolds Elliot, you know, and he's like, you got me in trouble and all these things. And it cuts to the drunk lighthouse keeper who's Lampy. I'll be honest. I didn't love how they portrayed drunks. I know that they did it for comedy and I know it was a bit and like it just didn't rub me the right way. And I feel like for a 1968 movie, that was the portrayal. Like when I thought this movie came out in 1968... I went, oh, yeah, okay, fine. But th- now that this came I out think, in the I think they were probably still portraying people that way in movies through then. I don't know. It's also but- a kid's movie. And I know we've seen a lot of movies where we talk about, oh, there's someone's drinking and blah, blah, blah. And not really to He's worry flat about out, it. like, slurring his words. And Throughout I don't know. And, it just, and it's just like a bit to be a bit. And for me, I didn't really care for it. And I didn't find it funny. And... I don't necessarily think it's triggering like I originally thought when I read it. I, I don't know that it would be triggering for somebody, but I think it makes light of something that could be serious. 
for some people. To, to me, it was like, I think it was the Aristocats where someone went by, like the, they went by and the person was drinking wine and went, Whoa. like, that's the joke to me. Like he sobers up after seeing the dragon and it's a one-time joke. Yeah. And it's the whole but he movie. he doesn't, yeah, he, I don't know. Even when he's sober, he still doesn't seem sober. I don't know. But anyway, we cut to him and... He talks about Pete and saying, your friends turn green. He realizes it's the dragon. He gets really scared. He goes into the saloon to tell everyone. Of course, no one believes him. And he sings a song about how he's seen a dragon. I saw a dragon. And he tries to describe him. And then this is where we meet Nora. We meet his daughter who's looking for her father. And that's where I think potentially you could see the alcoholism piece she very much is like, I know it's this time of day. He's going to be drunk in the saloon. I have to go get him and bring him home. Mm-hmm. Like, that is her being a caretaker because she knows he can't care for himself when he's drunk. So I do see why the synopsis and the things I read describe it in that way. It's not heavy-handed, but she does care for him because he cannot care for himself when he's had too much to drink. And right. that happens throughout the movie. This so, whole scene that they have, the dance number... The dance sequence is cool in places, like when they're all dancing on the rolling barrels. Like, I thought that was really cool. But if this had happened at the end of the movie, you'd be like, please, because this is the beginning of every scene is 10 times longer than it needs to be. Yeah. The other I think thing the is, song could have been cut, but I liked the, the rolling dancing on the barrels part of the sequence. But also as this is a kid's movie, it is a it is a dance sequence where the big gimmick of the dance sequence is beer so yeah i mean beer once everywhere the barrels like explode and all the beer goes everywhere i was like okay that's a but they're much. pouring it yeah. for everybody and they're all drinking it and every time lampy the whole time he's doing a song anytime someone like leaves a drink unattended he's, he's drinking, drinking it. it yeah um I, I do want to talk about one more thing in this helen reddy that's her name right i feel yes, like i talked, believe so we started recording this thing back in june as far as mm-hmm. i can tell um she looked like she didn't look comfortable. Like she looked very stiff and she looked kind of like when she was balancing on things, she just didn't look like a, 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 a like if you get a theater trained actress in here, they would have looked completely different, like big arms and comfortable in a dance. Maybe scene. I, I didn't really get that or notice that, but she just seems stiff the entire movie to me, to be honest. Yeah. I can see what you're saying. I, I didn't, I didn't like really catch that, but basically everything's a mess in mm-hmm. this in this saloon when they leave and she's trying to help her father on the bicycle and they're walking back to the lighthouse because he obviously can't ride the bike at this point um and she's trying to get him to lie down so again like that's that's where the piece of like caring for him comes in i think and then she looks out and she sees a boy and it's pete running on the shoreline and into the cave and he's mad at elliot and elliot's trying to get him to play tic-tac-toe on his belly and i thought that was a fun little bit where he lights the stick so he can draw on Mm -hmm. his belly with like the charred stick uh to play tic-tac-toe and elliot starts crying and pete starts crying and you know they're not sobbing but they're they're kind of just like going through their emotions of the day and then you hear Nora say hello in there, and he has Elliot hide, so Nora doesn't see him. And she invites him back to the lighthouse to eat some chowder uh, and kind of, you know, just welcomes him into the house. She seems pretty concerned for him. And, um, you know, nowadays I feel like we might view that as like, oh, he went with her, no problem. But, like, I didn't mind that piece of it. Like, she was genuinely concerned and genuinely just wanted to make sure he was safe. And she, she asks him about his family and things like that. She asks him about Elliot. And he, is this the part where he sings about? Yeah, he sings about what Elliot looks like and them being friends. 
You, yeah, well, she starts out yeah. as they're eating, she sees a bruise on his neck. And that's right. how she starts finding out about his family and kind of the situation he's in and how he's run away several times. And so she says, you can sleep here tonight. And then they they go into um, singing a song, but he asks if she has any children and he asks if she's married. And then there's that, you know, that assumption uh, that Pete's like, oh, well, you'll get married someday. And then she makes kind of a joke like, oh, I'm already married to this lighthouse. But I feel like that's just a very, you know, stereotype type. It, it goes by quick, but that moment... And then she starts talking about Paul and hoping he will return. And then that's where Paul this- is her. Did we talked about this before? Now Paul is is her her fiance or boyfriend who is lost at sea like a year ago. Yes, and we haven't talked about it because this is where Paul yeah. is introduced. She the, his picture is on the wall. Yeah, uh, which and, is uh, before it showed up. I think we were both like, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> like, yeah, and so then there's the song describing Elliot, and at one point Nora tries to sketch him, and I was like, "Oh, this will be fun. Like, we'll see what he." And then that goes nowhere. But I, it would have been cool if, like, when as he described Elliot, she drew him. I'd love to see what her imaginative picture of him would have looked like. I can't believe you're promoting that they needed to be more scenes in this movie i'm just saying i was like excited to see that and then it, it didn't go there uh but we were about 36 minutes in and i had ryan pause it to see how far in we were and ryan said you feel every minute and i really did and i just want to apologize to those who are out there you gotta stop apologizing I'm, they know they know that you're sorry that they liked it and you didn't okay it's not all right we can cut this out then that's i'm just letting you know you gotta stop apologizing right. no we're probably gonna have to keep it in because you started the sentence but oh okay we, it's fine just, from get you want to get one blanket apology last in and you won't apologize anymore yes all right, listeners, for those of you who love this movie, I'm sorry I'm trash-talking it. Please, please take this time to respect uh, me and my family as we pray on it. <laughs> we pray on our feelings. Oh, my gosh. I feel like you're doing like when a politician gets caught I in an more affair. So, I just know how personal some of these movies can be, and especially if we grew up with them. Mm-hmm. I know that you know we can have such strong connections to them, and I think that's where my apology is coming from, because I didn't grow up with this movie. I'm watching it as a 35-year-old woman who has seen lots and lots of different movies, musicals, all these things, and so for me, it was hard to stay connected in this. And, and it- so I would love to hear opinions of people who did grow up with this movie and were connected to it. And even you had some nostalgia for it that when you were watching it, you kind of were done with it as well. I get a sense. So, so when you and I watch a movie or a TV show, I can, I can almost feel energy from you when you're like, I'm not feeling this. And I felt it so early and so quickly at this, that I was like, Oh God, if we didn't have to do this for the podcast, we would have turned this off. And I tried, I tried about 40 minutes in is when I started making comments about how I was having a hard time. I really wanted to get at least halfway through and I almost made it halfway through. Okay. So let's, let's get through this. So next day. I think you're, (laughs) you're spending more time than I would with this plot. I would be skipping a lot more. But there are bits that I like and because of the way I wrote my notes, Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss the bits I like. Okay. So that's kind of why I'm doing it this way. Here we go. So the next day... Uh, we find out that Lampy ha- didn't know that the boy didn't know that Pete stayed the night. So when he realizes that it's Pete, he starts screaming just in his face, screaming because he's making the realization that it's the boy with the dragon. And he wants Elliot to go to the saloon to prove to everyone that, you know, he saw what he saw and it's a real dragon. And 
this whole time, Nora, and spoiler, Nora pretends that she believes in the dragon till basically the end of the movie. So Pete really doesn't realize that she doesn't believe in Elliot. She, because she thinks that it's his way of coping with everything that's going on in his life, which isn't a far stretch to kind of assume that. And so she says, you know, it's too dangerous to take him into town. Like, let's have him stay in the cave. He's safe here. And let's all get breakfast. You know, we have too much work to do right now to worry about any of that. And then enters Dr. Terminus. Terminus. And his his uh, and assistant Hoagie. his assistant. And they're on, like, a boat on wheels with a sail because they had to sell their horses yeah, they, due to they malpractice. Make it la- yeah, they make that comment later. Yeah. They just come crashing they're into They're out town. of control. They come crashing in. They have no control over their boat on wheels. And they knock over the fence that uh, Pete and Elliot kind of damaged the day before so this poor guy's fence is knocked again the wet cement basically everything that elliot damaged the day before they come in and re wreak havoc all over again because the wet cement comes back and the mayor comes back you know and he's he's there as they drop the anchor and the whole town is angry with them they see who it is they surround him and it's a little bit like an angry mob they're just not shouting at him they're very still and silent because also he's apparently come to that town before and sold them stuff as phony remedies yeah Yeah. because he's a he's a snake oil salesman yeah and so then he sings a song and uh this is where i say they really didn't need to give every character a song i wrote that in my well this one was long and yeah and this is and I little did I know how many more songs. Were oh to come. yeah, you're you're at. I have a list. I think you're at song number four. Yeah, and that's when I wrote that in my notes that like not every character because basically we got introduced to a character, they sing a song. We get introduced to a character, they sing a song. And again, I love musicals. I can enjoy that structure in certain musicals, but like it just really wasn't hitting the mark for me in this. Uh, so then. He starts demonstrating his remedies, and it's his assistant just dressing up as different people. So first he's an, an, an older woman who can't hear, and then he's someone who can't walk, right? He's on crutches. Yes. But even that needed to be one person. We didn't need to see that more times, and they took forever to get through it. It's like yeah. the director just gave everyone license to like really ham up the, the scenes, and it just went on yeah. and on and on. And then it cuts to the lighthouse, and Nora thinks that her dad is making up the dragon, and then it goes to Candle on the Water. So then she's up at the top of the lighthouse and she sings Candle on the Water, which, which is the most notable song. From and the which film. is the last song we listen to without fast forwarding. Is that true? Yes. Oh. Uh, I, and I will say we tried to listen to the beginning. We, we didn't like fast forward, like start to finish of the song. We tried to catch pieces of it. We tried to watch little things about it. Hey guys, well, this is our podcast. We do it on our time. So if we want to fast forward through some songs. No, I'm just saying though, we didn't like just haphazard, like, yeah, we still tried to get like what was going on and hear a little bit of the song. And what I'm saying is there's no committee that invalidates our (laughs) podcast. If we don't listen to the song. Fair enough. So then she's, you know, she's basically singing to Paul. She's singing this song, Candle on the Water. Essentially, it's to Paul. Which that whole Paul plot was could have been taken out of the movie. It was but something I would have gotten rid of. The dad also then is really cruel to her about Paul. Because, yeah, he's like, stop worrying about her. Well, because I think he's cruel. And again, if you want to read this through an alcoholic's lens... That's a lot of times what an alcoholic does is they they try to start trouble because she gets on him for not believing in the dragon and he turns it around and gets 
mean at something that is emotional with her. So it is like you that's reading into it a hundred percent. I just think it was bad character, right? Yeah, that's yeah, reading into saying. it. However, like that's what happens. She's like on him about like the dragon's not real, you need to stop. And he's like, I need to stop believing in things that aren't real. You need to stop believing that Paul's gonna come back and like And then get immediately real apologizes, that. kisses her head and walks and out. And <laughs> immediately apologizing is another thing with alcoholics. So, like, where when they realize they've said something they don't mean, they come mm-hmm. back and apologize for their behavior. This feels more like it was written by an alcoholic than it was someone writing about an alcoholic. Again, I'm not saying that it's heavy-handed. I'm saying you could read into it, but those are characteristics mm-hmm. of that yeah. disease and somebody who has that. Um, so, that happens there. And I, I didn't really... I, I wrote the dad I thought was really cruel with that that cut. I mean, even if she has to come to terms with Paul's not coming back, like he knew that was going to hurt her. Um, and then he goes to the hardware store, but it's nighttime. And then Ryan was like, well, you might need to fix something at night. And I was like, yeah, but I can't like go to Home Depot at 11 o'clock at night and go get what I need. Maybe maybe going to the hardware store was Was code for code going for the to the saloon. saloon. Or got, maybe the hardware store is next to the saloon. Or maybe he's going to get drink screwdrivers all night. <laughs> maybe. Wait, doesn't the next scene they see him at the saloon then? Because we cut to Dr. Terminus and he's there. We cut to Pete warming his butt by the fire first, which I thought was funny. Or not Pete, I'm sorry, Elliot. Elliot. In the cave, Pete is showing off his new suit and shoes to Elliot Mm -hmm. in the cave. And then he asks Elliot to find Paul for Nora. He's like, if anyone can find Paul, you can. Then we cut to the saloon and the doctor. So yeah, the next scene with the dad isn't. That the was it. It was. He's, I'm going to the hardware store. Wink. Yeah, I guess that is what it was. So we cut to the saloon and the doctor, and that's where we find out about why they have sails instead of horses and all of that. And then uh, the father's drunk again. He wants to buy around for everyone, and he wants to talk to the doctor about trying to prove that this dragon exists. And the assistant wants to see it, and the assistant is drunk, and so. Hoagie. You can so, remember his name because it's because of Wawa. <laughs> yes. So then Hoagie and Lampy, uh, drunk walk to the cave. Now, this was a scene. So Hoagie is played by Red Buttons and Lampy is played by Mickey Rooney. And apparently when they shot the scene the first time, the, them both being comedic ants, they just wanted the scene of them walking from one place to another, stopping, saying a line, and continuing to walk. And apparently being two com- comedic actors, they kept trying to one-up each other mm. in like drunk walk to be funny. Yeah. And the scene took 20 minutes to shoot. And the director's like, that's great. It's hilarious. I can't have a 20-minute shot of this. I mean, <laughs> like... I, I'm surprised he left that out. He left so many things in. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> but what I will say is I think part of why, like, I don't care for the drunken interpretations as well is because you have two comedic an- actors just trying to get laughs to get laughs, but it doesn't necessarily add anything to the plot. No, not at right? all. And, and I think so. Th- I, and I think that's a good example of that. Um so they go looking for Pete, or I keep writing Pete, and it's I think, Elliot. I think everyone does that. I think I grew up calling the dragon Pete. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they go looking for Elliot, and he's behind them. And I do like this whole bit where Elliot thinks they're talking about another creature. That's in the cave That's with in them. the cave with them. So he, like, starts tiptoeing behind them, and he's really scared. And then they see Elliot, and they get scared and scream. And then Elliot sees his shadow, and he gets scared and screamed. And so it's this whole bit. And I did really like that. Um, but then they offer Elliot booze. 
out of a flask. And so then Elliot drinks almost the entire flask. But then Lampy, of course, gets some of the last drops. And then his stomach rumbles. And then he just like bursts out flames for a long time, which scares both Lampy and Hoagie. And they run out of the cave. So then it cuts back to the doctor and he's making all these different remedies and the assistant runs in to tell him about the dragon to be like, he really is real. I really did see him. And uh, then it cuts to Nora and Pete walking into town. So uh, I yeah, it's the next day at this point. And they're walking into town and she wants to take him to school. So uh, this is when the townspeople start talking about how all the fish disappeared. And they never really explain this. They blame what? Pete saying he's bad luck bringing him and the dragon in. But at the end of the movie, then all of the fish well, are a plenty. Pete says flat out like, oh, El-, or someone says Elliot's scaring him away. Or Pete says Elliot is scared or something. And then Elliot's still in the town and the fish come back. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's just. So listeners, if you have a theory as to why all of the fish are back. Uh, please let us know. Besides, you know, like they were just like migrating and they weren't around. Uh, so then Nora stands up for Pete uh, because all the townspeople are getting on him and being really mean to him. And she sings again. But and <laughs> so then, the way it happens is she goes, there's there's I think that song's called A Place for Everybody. I, yes, I, I, that's I, what it and, is. And it goes. And she starts to say something, and she starts to sing, and I can hear Tara's eyes rolling <laughs> behind me because of the way we sit. I'm in like one chair, and I'm like, I can tell she's like, oh god, another song. And this is where I'm like, no, we don't know. And I fast. And then I made it. Ryan unpause it or unfast forward because all the kids were dancing. I, it's a cool visual sequence of all the kids who are supposed to be at school. They're on seesaws. They're doing all these different dancing things. And then you had the fact about oh, the, uh, the Pete. the boy who plays Pete. Pete's actor ended up being an all-American pole vaulter. And he was talking about how he started off learning dance for this movie. And I think he continued dance, all different types, including ballet. And in this, the the the, the, the video for the uh, sodium vapor uh, process has Pete talking about this where he goes, if you want to be an athlete, I highly suggest ballet. Because he's like, it got him into shape. And then I, he made, was able to maintain that shape. I took ballet from when I was very young till about eighth grade. And I know, and I know some of you guys don't know exactly what Tara looks like, but she is just a uh, hottie. So it's oh, well, I don't know about it anymore. It's been a while, but I've oh, always I do. wanted to. I'm go, looking at you. I've always wanted to go back and do adult ballet classes, and downtown Austin has some, but it's more about being able to get there. And now with everything going on, I don't think I but, can get up on my toes. Like, well, not all ballet is is on point. But I'm saying I don't think I could do point for just a moment. Mm. I know I'd want to just do ballet, not do point. I'd rather do tap. Tap. Well, we're really getting sidetracked here. You can tell how much we enjoyed this movie. But uh, <laughs> but uh, what's her name? Jenna Fisher has yes. is, is starting tap dancing. Uh, so follow her on Instagram because she's got some fun stuff. But anyway, so this whole thing happens. All the kids are late for school. You've got the snarky teacher who's really upset that they're all late for school. And Nora's like, you have a new student. And the teacher is really all about the record. She's like, well, where are his records, his birth certificate, la, la, la. Nora makes up this whole story. 
And she's like, you have to agree he needs an education. And she's like, well, I disagree with that, but I can't. But, she but, has like some like convoluted way of saying it that it's just like, we didn't need all of that. It doesn't matter. No one asked the question, how did he get to school? They could have opened the next morning with him in the school. And she could have been just grumpy that he was there. Yeah. yeah. Nothing could have changed. You could have cut that out. No rewrites, nothing. And it still would have made yeah. sense. So we knew she was grumpy at him. From the previous From scene. earlier in the, the film, yeah. So then the school bell is ringing on its own. And this is where Pete says Elliot's doing it. And he goes out to stop him. And the teacher calls him a liar because when she goes out there, Pete is holding on to the rope and ringing the bell. But really, he's just trying to stop it. So she gets him the knuckle cracker, which is basically just, I think, a ruler. Yeah, yardstick on, or something. Uh, on his knuckles. And does it about nine times and then gives him a dunce cap. And then he keeps talking about Elliot and the kids are giggling. And it's more that she is annoyed that he's making her look like a fool in front of her students, I think, than anything else. Uh, because that happens in the beginning, too, mm -hmm. uh, with all the havoc when, when him and Elliot first come into the town. And so she goes to try to um, hit him with a ruler on his behind. And then that's when Elliot has kind of like had enough of this and he bursts through the wall. And this is another one of those moments where you see the kind of cutout of his shape. You see in that the wall. burst. It's not it, like, yeah. I expected it to be like, I remember the scene and I figured it was like, you in hear a, a burst and it like yeah. turns around. Sorry. You hear a burst and it turns around the camera then looks at it's there. No, you see that part of the, the wall burst uh -huh. out. It's a great it's a effect. Cool, it's a really cool scene. And then you see the dragon-sized hole. And then people start believing Pete a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and Elliot's trying to defend him at this point. And now the doctor is on board and wants to buy the dragon. So now he believes that the dragon is real. At which point? And then he sings a song about dragon parts. <laughs> uh, and we fast-forwarded that a little bit. And then he goes to buy the dragon. And he offers Pete... I think at most he wants to offer him $5. He starts at like three and then goes up from there. Uh, and Pete says, I can't sell him. I don't own him. Which I thought was very smart for Pete's age to be like, he's not mine to sell. Mm. Um, and so then he offers him a potion to bring puberty on two years earlier, which was just like a weird comment. Uh, and then they're like going on about wanting the dragon and they're standing in front of the giant foghorn, and Nora they has They start Pete. to sing again, and in the best part of the movie, someone stops them singing by blowing the foghorn. Yeah, horn. Nora has Pete go inside, and he blows the foghorn, which then wakes up Lampy, who's like, oh, the fog, the fog, and realizes there's no fog. They're also painting the lighthouse when this is going on, and then it cuts to another song of all three of well, them. Well, hold on. But oh, that, there is an actually really important Lampy moment. and Nora yes. kind of look at each other, and Nora says, we want you to stay with us now, Pete. Yeah, and I do like that. You made that point, too, of like an unconventional family. I like that it's yeah. this father and daughter, and then they want to invite a son and a what would be a son grandson yeah. um, into their family and they want to care for him and welcome him in. And I do like that. And then they cut into another song talking all about Brazzle dazzle day. Yeah. And they're painting and cleaning and, and up at the top of the lighthouse. So then we're back in town and I'm never going to remember that family's name. The Gogans. The Gogans are back in town as well. And Lampy and Nora and Pete are on the water in a fishing boat and they're catching a lobster so apparently the fish are gone, but the lobster are plenty. So <laughs> then the bill of sale song. You know, lobsters are, are a, a notoriously cheap animal you can't sell for anything. <laughs> yeah. 
So then the Bill of Sale song is what I called it. We own the little... It's called Bill of Sale. Oh, it is. We own the little cuss uh, is how the mom kind of starts out and is saying, you know, you can't have him. He's not going to stay with well, you. Well, first they appear to the group the same way they appear. Yes. They yeah. all kind of peek out from behind yeah. something. And, and then the boys discuss who gets to hold the girl while they get Pete. And then yeah, the dad hold, hold Nora. And the dad's like, I'll hold her. And I'm like... All right. And then the mom makes a comment, if you're going to hold her like the boys want to hold her, there's going to be a problem. So there was like back and forth there. No, I think I think he said, if you want to hold her like the boys want to hold her, you're going to be holding your head. So I think that was like, if you, like if. I see. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't a very clean joke. So. Yeah. And so then they start chasing them. They all wind up falling into the water because the other ones are in the boat, uh, Nora and everybody. Do we know why they fall in the water? We actually, fast forward, did Elliot get them? Guys, we don't know because we fast forwarded just a we little did. bit too far. I don't we think Elliot's present there at that point. Who knows? Um, Tell us. <laughs> I think they're clumsy and they fall in, but I um, could be wrong. So then we cut to the saloon and they're all soaking wet. The Gogans are soaking wet and they're angry and they're upset. And the doctor comes in and he says, I want to help you get Pete and I want the dragon. Now, the Gogans have not seen Elliot, so they think... The dragon is not real, and they think this doctor is crazy for wanting this dragon. And I like this bit, because I like the idea of the Gogans thinking they're getting one over on the doctor. Yes. So he's basically like, we've got to catch the dragon to get the fish again. And that's how he gets the townspeople into helping catch this dragon. So he has this whole plan about, you know, setting a trap. And so it's a stormy night. It's windy. It's rainy. All the townspeople are setting a trap. And it looks like a barn, but I guess... On a dock, it wouldn't a be a barn. House. It would be like a boat yard, a boat house kind of oh, a like thing. Oh, like a, yeah, you bring your sh- your your ships in there to get, not your ships, Repaired, but your or it's maybe where they gut the fish and stuff like that. I'm Who sure knows? there's yeah. a name for that building. But, um, so that's what they're doing. They're preparing to set the trap, and then it cuts to Elliot and Pete at the lighthouse, and... I think the lighthouse goes out at this point, right? Like the light so in the lighthouse goes out and goes things, back on. There's a lot of things happening simultaneously. Yeah. Pete, they they get Elliot and they're doing that thing. Paul has, Pete, Elliot comes back and says, we and found says Paul. And says, we found Paul. Yeah. The Paul is coming back in the fakest little tiny boat of all time. Yeah. The lighthouse goes out. And then all this stuff's happening. Nora says, you know, we both have to be realistic. And this is when Nora finally lets Pete know she doesn't believe in Elliot. She's like, we both have to be realistic. You know, we don't have to make believe anymore. I shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be doing it. And then she sees the ship in the telescope, as Ryan mentioned. And so the doctor now traps Pete because I guess he comes and says... The doctor comes to the lighthouse and tells Pete, oh my gosh, Elliot's in the town and he's he's causing havoc. Like he's, right. he's tearing up the town. You've got to go help him. And really it's to capture Pete and use him as bait. So now the Gogans have Pete and they're using him as bait for Elliot. And he sends the assistant to go get Elliot. What's the assistant's name? Hoagie. There you go. So then um, Hoagie goes to get him and you see him riding on him. Pete's invisible at this point, riding on him into Pete town. picks him up. And is running with them. Yeah. And then um, when they drop the nets 
on Elliot, this is another cool bit where it's the shape of Elliot. It's a cool practical effect. Yeah. It looks like. And I'm wondering here, so this is, I want to stop here and talk about this for a little bit. One of the big things that we know about Pete, or not know about Pete, one of the big things that like came out of this was the Pete, the, the Elliot float at the electrical parade. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. Oh, we'll have to put, the, we'll put that up somewhere because I think that's, we like to talk about the presence these movies have at the park, but that's, I think, the big mainstay of Pete is he's, or of Elliot is he's a big parade at the at the Disneyland electrical parade. Mm. He's very famous, but it, I think it moves a lot like that thing oh, where that's it's its cool. neck and its tail. Yeah, and so I liked that the way that they make his presence feel yes. known uh, in that scene. It's a really creative way to do it, and so Pete is in trouble. So with the, the Gogans at this point also are like. There is a dragon. Like, yeah. now they believe in it. And then Pete's in trouble with them. They, like, put him in a sack. And then Elliot gets really angry and goes running after them. And then we cut back to the storm raging. And that's when the light goes out. Yes. The water, the ocean waves crash up to the top of the lighthouse. And if the ocean waves are crashing <laughs> up to the top of the lighthouse, like... Enough to break A lot the of glass. things have happened. Yes. Yeah. Like, it is an intense it's storm. deep impact is yes. what is going on. So, that's all happening. So, you're watching Lampy trying to get that fixed. And then they trap Elliot. And then... Uh, Elliot gets out of the sack. I think we kind of already talked about he, that. Well, he takes Elliot, and then there's like a few minutes where it's like Elliot uh, embarrassing the, Go- the Gogans, and he drops yeah, them on like yeah. a bucket of tar, tar or something. Or something and then he burns the previously. bill of sale. She keeps showing the bill it's, of sale, and he burns it's it. like every time something's happened at this point, I'm like, all right, get him out of there. Get him out. And then that's a, that's a wrap on the Gogan. Oh my gosh, how did we forget about this? So okay, we got oh backtrack. the world's longest cannon field. <laughs> so we got to backtrack for a minute because the doctor has oh there go my notes. The doctor, the doctor has this idea that they're gonna trap Elliot and then he's gonna shoot him with a harpoon. So which is I gonna kill him. He wanted to buy him for his parts to use for his elixirs. I guess I don't know. I thought he wanted him ow, as like here's. Ow. A dragon. It's yeah. like this mystifying thing, but I guess he wanted to use them. I don't really know. But he has this harpoon. So while Elliot is trapped in the nets and the burlap and all this stuff, he lights the fuse. And it is the world's longest fuse. Because, because everything we've just described that happened happens while this fuse is still yes, going. And like the harpoon's getting twisted around and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to hit either the doctor or the assistant and it doesn't. And then you kind of forget about the harpoon for a few minutes because and, all this other stuff happens. And it comes and back then, and it's still lit. Yeah, it comes back and it is still lit. <laughs> it's like, what if you want a cannon fuse to be shorter, you just cut it, like tear it. Like they do it in Tremors. Remember where they want the short yeah. fuse on the thing? You know Tremors, the greatest mo- the movie I wished I watched tonight instead of this. <laughs> So it finally lights and the doctor's foot, I guess, gets caught around the rope or something. And he gets like flying out of uh, into the like town square. And that's when a goofy holler happens. And uh, he's like stuck up in the rope. And so then the. So that should have been the end of him. But no, then he talks to Elliot. Elliot comes over and scares him. Hoagie has a few. It's like. Yeah, there's Holy a little bit Moses. more there. And then the teacher and the mayor are coming out those steps again. So it's the same bit. And this is, I think, the third time they've done it. But this time there is lightning that has struck a telephone pole and it's about to fall 
on the mayor and the teacher and all these people coming out of City Hall. And Elliot saves them. And they see Elliot. He's not invisible. They see him. They're like, oh my gosh, dragon saved us. So now the town is like turned around on the dragon. Not only do they believe everyone who said they saw the dragon, but he's also done something good for the town. So they're all like really excited that he saved them. So now we go back to the storm. And Elliot is trying to light the lamp in the lighthouse and it takes him like four or five tries and I get that like they didn't maybe want him to light it on the first time but I think they could have landed somewhere in the middle between lighting it on the first try and lighting it on like the fifth try and then that's when Nora finally sees Elliot because she's not in there when he's trying to light it at first so she doesn't see Elliot till the very end of the movie uh and so then Elliot just Elliot just is able to light it finally yeah no reason why he could he can't. Thank now you. He I was before. just I really like stopped writing at this point because then Paul it's also cutting this whole time, cutting to Paul on the ship <laughs> with the captain who we don't know where he came from. And Gordon's it's a lot fisherman. of Oh. That's what he looks like, the Gorton oh, fisherman yes. from the fish sticks. Yes. So he cuts back they cut back and forth to that while all this other stuff is going on so we can see where they're at. So they we assume they make it to shore, but we don't officially see that they make it to shore till town the next day. And in town the next day, it is fish aplenty. There are like <laughs> so much fish, like fish in boats, fish in baskets, fish in barrels. Like everyone is rejoicing that all the fish came back. And again, this is where we're not really sure because Elliot is still in the town and he was supposed to be the reason the fish weren't coming. So then Nora sees Paul and she's so shocked and they reunite and he goes into this story about how he lost his memory when he was out at sea and he didn't remember anything and then all of a sudden he got hit on the head and he remembered everything again and they attributed him getting hit on the head to Elliot. Then the mayor like wants to commend Elliot and he's like well where is he? And it's like, well, you've all seen him. Why is he still invisible at this point? And it's literally just for budget reasons. Yeah. And then it cuts to Elliot saying goodbye. Because Pete, right? Pete says there's another kid in trouble. Yeah, basically or Elliot we, find out, kid in trouble. we find out that Elliot won't be back because Pete's like, oh, well, I'll see you when you come back. He finds out he's not coming back. Because this is how every like kid movie has kid to end at this time. And help or a kid in trouble. And the, then it shows... Pete running off with Paul, with his new family, with Paul, Nora, and Lampy running to the lighthouse. And that's kind of how And then there's a helicopter shot where they're waving. And it is, the long, it is again, a overly long helicopter shot where I... But then we realize that the lighthouse seems to be by the shore. Like, seems to be by real water, which is why they probably needed permission from the Coast Guard. I don't so know where they that... answered that question. I don't know where that was filmed. Most <laughs> things were filmed on a soundstage, but that looks like that had to be filmed by water. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it was filmed by water. Uh, but yeah, that is Pete's dragon in a nutshell. <laughs> All right. How was the princess? Princess is Pete. Pete was an annoying kid. Didn't he, care. He was fine. I mean, I, he wasn't super endearing to me, but I did. I wasn't like get off the screen. He was just, he was fine. Uh, how was the prince? Elliot. Elliot was I the loved saving grace. Not saving grace. I loved Elliot. I, like I said, I, um, he was... He was charming. I loved his animation. I love how creative they got when he was invisible, how you could still feel his presence. Uh, Elliot was the best part of this movie. 
uh, how were the sidekicks? I who are we designating as Nora, sidekicks? Lampy, Hoagie? I guess Hoagie's in the villain section, but they were um, all okay. They they're, were fine. They're all about the same quality. I as will this movie. say, <laughs> I liked Nora over Lampy because I didn't like Lampy's whole shtick of kind of him being the drunk. I've kind yeah. of gone into that already. He was either just drunk or loud. Yeah, and and Nora was fine. Uh, how does it hold up? I didn't see any ethnic representation issues. They warned us about tobacco. I know. Oh, I guess the, the mayor, mayor had kept, a cigar, yeah. but I was like, "There's really much more alcohol than there was tobacco in it." Oh for my sure. god, there's so much. Like, if you don't, I mean, again, I, I don't usually. I mean, drinking is something adults do, and I don't necessarily necessarily think kids should not see that. But it was just played as a gimmick, and I could see a kid being like, "Oh, that's fun. I want that. What's that?" And there's also, so much drinking. And it's me reading into it, but if a kid is around adults who have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, I don't know if they would yeah. connect the two. But I don't think it's you reading into it. I yeah, think it's I don't know. Is. I don't know if they would connect the two, but I think there could be a connection there that might not be positive. Female character agency. Nora kind of had her own thing going. I mean, she basically was taking care of the lighthouse. Her dad wasn't doing his job. She was doing her father's yeah. job. So she was the caretaker, essentially. Yeah. And she was the caretaker for Pete, too. Like, she wanted to care for him. Um, guns and firearms. I think we all learned an important lesson about cannon fuses in this one. And uh, how yeah, a, harpu- a harpoon, harpoon. A harpoon. A harpoon. <laughs> pew, pew. Um, and now. Oh, my gosh. Now, <laughs> now, my dear, it is time for. The infallible scientific villain rankings. So let me set that up real quick. And who are we? I'm going to say there's two. I'm going to say we got the Gogans and as, Dr. As Terminus. As a whole. Yes. Okay. We're, yeah. M- mostly Miss uh, Ma Gogan, but With I think the, the dirtiest whole... fingers. Her, all their teeth is really gross. Yeah, but she at one point at the end, she's like holding Pete's face and her finger is in his mouth and it's almost black. <laughs> Um, and it will, it probably got rid of all her warts, much like the, Mary oh Poppins. yeah, you know that the whole point, this thing was every, every Disney was like, this is the next Mary Poppins, Disney, the company <laughs> swinging a miss. Yeah. Uh, okay. For the Gogans frightening. I think they're pretty scary. I'm going to go with a four. Okay. I think they are very scary. I think their intent of how they're using Pete is scary. You know, that they've like purchased him to basically be a. Yeah. A worker for him for, for a more positive term. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, I think they're they're pretty frightening. Uh, Funny. I'm going to give him a two. I like their song. I think they're kind of funny. I kind of want to give him a three, but I feel bad about it. I didn't actually find them that funny. I'm going to give them a one. Okay. They, like, rubbed me the wrong way from moment one. <laughs> and I know you really enjoyed that first song, but I didn't care for it. Like I said, I didn't like the lyrics in it. And, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I get it. Fierce. One. Yeah, same. They are hillbilly trash. And that's another s- big stereotype, right? They're depicting, like, a type of Well, it's also people. weird because it's like that they're apparently in Maine or something, but, like, yeah. I don't know if there's a swamp in but Maine. But they're depicting, like, a very stereotypical culture that isn't always Well, they look like Appalachian hillbillies, yeah, but, but they're that's nowhere what I'm near saying, the, but yeah. what I'm saying is, like, that could be considered derogatory in its own way. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess, but uh, effective. I'm going to give them a one. They suck. They can't even keep Pete 
Yeah. Around. They suck at that. Design, I give them a two because I kind of like their kind of like hillbilly thing. I'm going to give them a one. Okay. Uh, go away heat. A one. Oh, no. That's the opposite of four. You want a four on yeah, go away Yeah, I heat? didn't like them. I liked them. I give them a one. I was excited to see them. I, I liked them. I feel a little I, bad I about it. I understand. Yeah, I didn't. Have uh, that so feeling. yes, factor. I'm also gonna give them a two because that's I a was. One. Little, that's a one for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, boy, I think we're gonna. Uh, Aconcagua is gonna have some company at the bottom. <laughs> all right, Doctor Terminus, frightening one. Yeah. He didn't frighten me at all. No. Uh, funny. I thought he was okay. I'll give him a. a, a I'll two. give him a two. That whole bit with like we didn't talk about that when he's got a client, and we think he was trying to pull out his tooth. And I, he's that like, part I didn't like at all. Yeah. Because like every time they cut to the client, it wasn't just a tooth. It was like it was this whole. It mouth. looked like a little I bit like a horror really movie. Funny. Yeah, that was more scary than it was funny. Uh, I'm gonna give him a. I'll give him a two. Okay. He's kind of fierce. Oh, one. I want to give him a two because I think he's got some cape drama. I can see that, but I'm still giving him a one. Okay. I thought I liked his, I thought he was a little fierce. Uh, effective. He, they do trap Elliot. His plan works. Yeah, I'm going to give him a two. So, yeah, I'll give him a two. Uh, design. I thought he was all right. He looked like a good steak oil salesman. I'll give him a two. I'll give him a two on design. Uh, go away. He, I didn't really like him. I thought his accent was kind of annoying. He's a British actor and I don't know exactly if that's how he sounds or if he was trying to do an American accent. I give him accent. a three for go away. He, oh yeah, I was gonna give him two. And then yes factor. He's a one a for one. me. Wow. Okay. Let me just pull up the villains and scroll all the way <laughs> down to the bottom because ladies and gentlemen, uh, these two are sandwiched are the bread and an Edgar sandwich. <laughs> Uh, the Gogans are the are now the fourth from the bottom. Okay. And Doctor Terminus is the second worst villain we have. A half wow. a point worse than Edgar from the Aristocats. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's it, guys. I hope uh, you know if you really are a big fan of Pete's Dragon. I hope you've turned this podcast off a while ago, probably near the beginning. Um, it, you know, I I don't know. I don't want to apologize for not liking this this movie and it is I don't our opinions but i don't want to deter you from sharing your love for pizza yeah Dragon. I, if you love it tell us about it on the facebook page tell us why we were wrong send us an email you know i'd love to hear opinions on people who do really enjoy this movie and i've seen some posts on um our facebook page i think in reference to pete's dragon especially with the passing of mm-hmm. helen ready helen ready uh so you know Feel free to let us know. I always welcome the discussion because, again, these are our opinions, and I'd love to hear other sides um, and other other thoughts on the film. All right. Well, next week, uh, next episode, we're going to have The Rescuers with a very special guest who loves that movie. So hopefully, I mean, I, I can't imagine us feeling the same way about that as we did this but now up is down in is out i (laughs) my whole life is upside yeah exactly Uh, so until next time listeners thanks for listening to tara and ryan's princess diaries if you want to tell us your favorite disney villain and why it's guest on send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com or you can send a tweet about how great maleficent is to at trp diaries Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. 
Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after.